Well, good morning. I got to admit, I am super geeked about this morning. I woke up about 4.30 in the morning. I couldn't sleep. It was like Christmas. I was like nine years old. I was super excited about today. By 6.30, I was out the door and I was praying. I, I, I drive around and I, so I, I went to the pier and got a chance to uh, pray there and, and thank God for his calling into this place. It's like, oh, Lord, I'll suffer in Huntington Beach for you as long as you want, you know, kind of thing. And uh, went out to our old chapel on Orange and Six and thought of the daring faith of the people that started this church over 100 years ago. And I was just, it was so encouraging. Went over to Fusion, gave Mitchell a hug as he was unloading everything at 7.30 in the morning, trying to get, get it all ready over there and just thinking, man, it is going to be an awesome day. I even put on my Maasai belt, uh, my little tribal Maasai belt. So I was like, today's going to be a good day. We're going to, this is going to be the, the day we're going to see some neat things happening. Uh, so I, I just got to tell you, I'm super excited about where we are in this Daring Faith journey. If you are new here today, uh, you get a chance. I really want to encourage you. If you're new here today, I want to encourage you, be our guest. Watch what's going on. Listen and kind of get a feel of who Beach Point is and what we're about. Making a decision about a church for your family is a big decision. And uh, I don't want you to feel, we're, we're, today, uh, well, I'll tell you about some commitments that we're going to be making as a church, but I simply want you to be our guest and to watch and to take it all in because I want you to see who we are and what's kind of beyond the surface that you see. I want you to see kind of the insides and the guts and the DNA of, of who we are as Beach Point. We have been... Uh, this is week seven of a series that we've been on. We've been looking at some of the great stories of faith, some of the great examples of faith in the Bible, and thinking about for ourselves how God is calling us to live like those examples of faith. So we've been thinking about the unique way in which God is calling us to grow in faith, the way that God is inviting us to trust him with our life and to chase after a promise or to, 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 to obey him in a way that he's saying, look, if you'll come with me in this way, I, I will open up your life to the way you were meant to live. Just trust me, follow me, come with me. And some of you have been processing that and you've been making decisions or you've been thinking about decisions. And today is a day in which you're going to kind of say, I'm going after it, Jesus. I'm coming with you. I'm going to follow you in that calling that you've given me to grow with you. I want you to know today I commit to going after that. And there are big things. People have talked about reconciling old relationships where there's, there's a need for forgiveness. People are talking about, uh, you know, we have more people. We have, I think, over 100 people start small groups. Some people said, I've been in church a long time, but I've never been in a small group before. This has been my daring faith thing is to just get in a small group. And so today is a day for you to say, Lord, I've heard you speak into my life to grow and I'm going for it. Uh, today in some ways isn't the end of our series. In some ways it's kind of what's so exciting for me is it, it is, the, is the launch forward of where we're headed. Others of us we've seen the stories of going. People who would go in faith. And some of you are realizing that God has been calling to you. Some of you feel like you have heard for the first time in your life a calling about ministry or, or a way in which God wants to impact the world through your life. And you never thought your life would have impact beyond yourself and your own happiness. But now you sense God is, it, it wants to do a, a dynamic work, maybe in your workplace or in your home or in your neighborhood or in, a, in, in some kind of ministry that, you're, that he's just been kind of uh, planting seeds and he's bringing it to fruition. And now you're saying, Lord, I, I hear you. It's almost as if uh, we look at the, the prophet Isaiah when this moment came and, he, and God said, who, uh, who will I send? Who will go for me? And you're ready to say today, Lord, I have heard your call. Here am I, send me. 
And we're praying radical things for you to go. I mean, in some ways, that's why we're in this kind of Daring Faith series is that you have been, Beach Point is a, is a group of people that go with their faith. Faith is dynamically personal, but we believe it's not private. And we believe in kind of this, this, we call it our eight to 15. We have this little network of people we do life with. And as you have been reaching out to the people in your network, uh, Beach Point has changed over the last six years from under 300 people to over 1,000 people that come to Beach Point now. And, and so we started a second church in Huntington Beach. We, we are getting to the point where we're outgrowing our campus throughout the week. And, and even on Sundays, we're kind of getting, even though we sent a group of people away, we're already starting to fill up again on Sundays. So we, we, we have this kind of radical uh, picture of what we could do to repurpose this campus and to help our church plant. And so we have a so commitment. We have a commitment in which we have looked at corporately together like, a, like an anthill or a, a bee colony that we would all do our part. We would all contribute our part and together we would we'd contribute financially to where Beach Point is, needs to go in the next season of our history. And so today, many of you will have brought your commitment. You will have brought a gift to give, a financial gift to give to God, uh, a, a commitment of, of how, Lord, with your help, this is what we want to contribute over the next three years to this Daring Faith campaign. And so today is a big day. Now, again, I want to stress, if you're new, you're thinking, oh, great, they're asking for money today. This is the day we showed up. Relax, put the checkbook away. You're our guest. Be here, watch who we are, and listen to who we are, because I, I want to help you see this. We, we, who we are today is we are launching forward. We don't want to just start this, though, these daring faith movements. We don't want to just start. We want to finish well. And, and you know, you're, you're often remembered not by how you start something, but how you finish something. I don't know how many of you have ever had to quit something before. Uh, I was thinking the first time I ever uh, contemplated quitting my job here. I, I, I was here, I was about, uh, I was the youth pastor here. I was about in for about three years, about my third year in. And every year that we would go to camp, we'd go to this winter camp. And every year when we go to winter camp, uh, the students, the, the guys, especially the guys had this goal. And their goal was, we're going to shave off Bill's mustache. And I used to have this sweet mustache. Here's the picture of me back in the day. I, if we raise 5.8 million, I will grow that mustache back and I will wear that. So some of you are like, honey, add a zero, add a zero to our commitment. But so every year the students would, they would plot and they would plan of how they were going to shave off my mustache. And, and they never came close until this year. And this year they, I got cornered by about 30 seniors. Now 17, 18 year old young men, you think you can fight them off when you're 25, 26 and you're a little bit bigger? Not 30 of them. They were like pack animals. They just, like coyotes. They swore me. They pinned me down. I literally could not move. There was a, and so one of the guys, he's got the, he's got the buzzer. He's going towards my face and literally his hand is shaking. He's, he's trying to figure out his eternal security as he, he kind of comes to my face. And right before he gets to my mustache, I'm literally, it's about two, two inches from there. It, it stops. It's like, bzzz, uh, and he does this. I kid you not. He looks up into heaven like, what? <laughs> now, what had happened was one of the leaders had heard all the commotion come in and right before he got there, pulled the plug. Uh, but it was, a, it was an interesting experience. So out of that, what had happened was my, my, my first son had been born about two weeks before. I was definitely dealing with uh, sleep deprivation. I was tired. I was exhausted. And then there was just this moment where it's just like, 
I can't lead these guys. It's like, it's Lord of the Flies here at, at this camp. And so I, I literally, on that Saturday night, I was like, I'm just, I'm going to quit. I, I can't do this. I'm, no, I'm not effective. And then I realized, I am not trained to do anything else in this world. I, I, don't, I have a baby now. I have to take care of him. And so I decided I wasn't going to quit, but I wasn't sure what to do. But God, in his own grace, he showed up. That, uh, that was Saturday. On Sunday morning, he just blew through that camp. We had this amazing camp. But I, I can look back and think, how easy it would have been for me to quit in that moment. If I had a way out, I probably would have, I was tempted to quit. Uh, the cool thing is, as, as I stayed in that, I, I wound up being the youth pastor here for 17 years, which uh, most youth pastors at the time were staying 17 months. And so it said a lot about this church and their love and care for me. And I've been able to teach for over 16 years, teach youth pastors and train them. And so I, I know how important it is to finish something, to finish well. It's easy to start something. It's hard to finish. Uh, some of you have run the, the Surf City Marathon, and you know, like, it's a burst of adrenaline, right, when the gun goes off, and you're running, and you're waving to everyone going by, and then mile three comes, and you're, <laughs> and you're sucking down the water, and you're just trying to, fa- out of uh, 16,000 people ran the race this year, but only 1,900 people f- actually can finish a whole marathon. And so it, you realize to finish a marathon is quite a feat. It is not an easy thing. It's easy to start. It's hard to finish well. And that's what today is about. It's about figuring out how can we finish well, what God is calling us into. And so I want to give you uh, an idea, a big idea to kind of frame what we're going to talk about today. And it's this, we've been talking about daring faith. Here's our big idea today, that daring faith is enduring faith. Daring faith is enduring faith. And we've been looking at uh, a chapter in the Bible, uh, Hebrews 11. And it's addressed to a group of Christians who were having difficulty enduring. They were exhausted, not just with life, but with faith and the Christian faith. And there was the consideration, should we give up on this faith? Should we go back to our old ways? And the book of Hebrews speaks to the supremacy of Jesus in their life and and the greatness of who he is over all these things. When we get to chapter 11, there's this wonderful challenge. We've been seeing all these stories that are reminded of those who endured with lives of faith. But then you come to chapter 12. And in chapter 12, you realize the baton is being passed to us. And so I want to invite you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, page 1,213 on the Bibles in front of you. And the writer of Hebrews wants to see that now, today, it is our turn to live with daring faith. And just as we've looked at the examples of Abel and Enoch and Noah, and Abraham, and Moses. Just as we saw last week, the faith of the Macedonians and the Corinthians, that now it's our turn. It's our turn to live with the same kind of radical faith that we saw in all these examples. And so let's read this together. It'll also be here on the screen for you. Therefore, okay, so he points back to what we've just been reading, what we've just been studying, all these examples. Therefore, Based on all these people we've seen, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer 
and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Considered him, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Now I want you to try to imagine the scene, if you can almost close your eyes and see it in your mind's eye. Imagine what it would be like to walk through the tunnel into this great arena. And you look up and you hear the roar of the crowd. And you realize this this roars for you. And there you see tear after tear after tear of fans that are there. They're not just spectators. They're not just people who've come to watch. He says they're witnesses. They're people who know what it's like to run. There are people who have run before you and they are there and they are cheering you on. And they are excited that it is your turn now to run. And now the call comes for us. And and, and as you're walking through the tunnel, you realize my job is not to go sit with them. My job is to walk over to the starting block and to place my feet in and to listen for the gun. And my job is now to go off and run this race. It is my turn. The baton has been passed to me. So how do we run this race? Notice these things that he says about the runner. First, he says this, that the runner to run this race gets rid of everything that will slow him or her down. The runner gets rid of everything that slows them down. He gets rid of everything that slows him down. She gets rid of everything that slows her down. You see this in verse one, everything that hinders and the sin that tangles you up. In the first century, the runners would enter into the stadium. They'd be wearing these long flowing uh, robes. These, they were colorful. But as they prepared to run, they would, they would take these robes off. They, would, they really would strip down to be almost naked to the bare essentials of what they had. And simply, you know, the idea, if they were wearing these robes and these long gowns and everything wrapped around them to run with this, they they couldn't do that. But they would strip this down. And in the same way, notice the, 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 the challenge that is here for us. If we're going to run, then we have to take off everything that's going to slow us down. Whatever it is that's going to hinder you, whatever it is, whatever sin has got you all tangled up, you've got to get rid of this. Whatever calling God has put on your life in these last six weeks, you've got to know that today you cannot run wearing the old outfit. You cannot run wearing the old outfit. If you're going to run after this calling, if you're going to run after this invitation, if you're going to live this generous life, you cannot live wearing the old things. And his point is simply this, that we, we realize that there are things that will slow us down. Notice he says there are, there's sin that holds us down. And he's challenging us. In fact, you've probably felt it. Part of this series, part of this is God has just been pushing this stuff to the surface and saying, I don't want this stuff to slow you down any longer in your life. There are things that, that just kind of hinder you, that, that keep you, that, that kind of uh, keep you from having that freedom to live this life. They're not all bad things. I mean, it's easy to think it's just all the bad things in my life, but you realize that sometimes they are good things. There are things that we could just look at in the world and say, those are not in, in and of themselves bad things. Jesus himself even warned us this. He was teaching a parable And one of the examples in this parable where he's teaching about how seed grows and how the life of the kingdom grows in our our heart, he said this, listen to this warning. He said, the seed falling among thorns 
refers to people who hear the word, they hear the word of God, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. One of the things we know living here in Orange County, living in Southern California, is that we miss out on the life of God because we are chasing power and wealth and security and accumulation. We want more and more and more. And he says, sometimes you're chasing after not necessarily bad things, but things as you're, you can imagine almost trying to run with all your stuff. And he's saying, anything that hinders you, anything that entangles you, you got to get rid of these things. God's been speaking to you. He's been calling you into change. Why? Because he wants you to run. He wants you to run. He wants you to feel the rush of the wind in your face. He's saying to you, come with me. Experience the life I have if you will trust me, if you will follow me. Run with me. Run with me. He wants you to run. And to do this, you're going to have to get rid of these old burdens, this extra weight. For some of us, it's, it's an excuse. We're going to have to rid ourselves of the excuses that someday I'll change. And someday I'll be generous. Someday I will, I will you know, pursue that calling. For some of us today, we have to say, no, today I rid myself of that excuse. No more excuses. You're calling me and I'm going. We have to rid ourselves of excuses. We have to rid ourselves of sin and habits that, have, that are choking out the life of us. And you know the cycle that happens, right, with sin that we, when we have like a habitual sin or something we struggle with and we do it and we feel guilty and then we feel shame. And instead of running to God for his help, we run away from him because we just can't bear to be in front of him again. We're just embarrassed that once again, I've asked you for forgiveness for this for 80 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. And here I am again asking for your forgiveness for this very thing that just feels like it's crippling me. And Jesus is saying today, yes, come to me. Come to me and, and let's together get rid of that sin that's entangling you. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't think that you have the strength on your own. That's why I've come. I've come to destroy the power of sin and death in your life. Come with me. Trust me. Take off those things that are slowing you down. The runner gets rid of everything that slows them down. But notice the second thing is that the runner runs with perseverance. I love this, that, that the challenge is this. He says in verse two, let us run with perseverance. And when he says, let us run, he's saying this, let us run and let us keep running. He's not saying, let us run and then we'll take a snapshot out of it and we'll, put, we'll hang it on our wall and we'll, we'll go, remember that, that time in our life where we ran? Remember that was a good time. We'll have this memory of running. He's saying, let's run and let's keep running. Running, that you and I are called to run this race until there is no breath left in us. We run this race until we take the last breath in this life and the first breath in the next. We run this race and we keep running. And notice what you see you have to run with perseverance. Why? Because there will be obstacles. 
There will be obstacles. Friends, let me tell you, if you think you're about to, you're, you may be excited about this calling. If you think this calling is going to come, this invitation God is, is asking to say, where he's saying, come with me in faith. If you think this is going to come without obstacles along the way, it, it, you're, you're being naive. You're being foolish. You will, you will face obstacles. But the call isn't that avoid all obstacles. The call is persevere when you face those obstacles. I love the movie Chariots of Fire. There's this great scene in it. I don't know how many of you have ever seen it, but it's, this, it's the true story of a, of a runner named Eric Liddell. He was a runner from Scotland. And some of you know the story. It, 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 uh, uh, he, do, he wouldn't run on the Sabbath in the 1924 Olympics. And, and as a result of that, he missed out on some chances to win some medals. And there was all this controversy over it. But one of the scenes before it gets to that, it happens about a year earlier. He's in this race. And it's a race between uh, Scotland and Ireland and England. And, and Liddell was uh, scheduled to run the 100, the 200, and the 440. And when he got ready to run the 440, and the, and the gun went off. They all kind of jostled for position. And when they jostled to get that inside position, to get that edge, to run that one lap, he got knocked over and he fell to the ground. But he hears these words, get up, lad, get up. And he gets up. And even though he's 20 yards behind the pack, he gets up and begins to run like he's never run before. And all of a sudden he closes in on the pack. And he goes from fourth place to third place to second place. And right at the tape, he stretches out and wins the race, even though he was knocked down. And he falls to the ground in complete exhaustion. Medical attention had to come to him. And the newspaper said this about this race. It said, the circumstances in which Liddell won the race made it a performance bordering on the miraculous. Veterans whose memories take them back years, and in some cases longer in the history of athletics, were unanimous in their opinion that Liddell's win in the quarter mile was the greatest track performance they had ever seen. I want you to watch it so you have a mental picture of it for your life. Get up. Well done. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
take good care of this lot of yours, Mr. McGraw. Because if you drop him, you'll never find another one like this. Was not the prettiest quarter I've ever seen, Mr. Little. Certainly the bravest. I love that picture. I, I, you're going to get knocked down. And when you get knocked down, I want you to hear that little Scottish guy with a, with a cigar in his mouth saying, get up, lad, get up, get up. Friends, you, we, we are going to get knocked down. But he says, he says, run with perseverance. It means endurance. It may not be pretty, but it will be brave. It will be courageous. We are called to, to run with perseverance, this race marked out for us. See, this is the thing I love so much about this Daring Faith season because what we've asked you to do over seven weeks is just listen to God. He is Emmanuel. He is God with us. We've tried to not tell you what to do, but to invite you into a process of hearing God's call on your life and obeying that. And I know some of you are kind of like looking at your commitment card going, seriously, are we going to be able to do this? And you feel like there's a, there's a race marked out for you for the next three years and you're nervous and you're scared and, and your hand is trembling a little bit today and that's okay. But you know that you feel, you, all you can say is with confidence, I think this is what God has asked us to do. And so now for the next three years, you're gonna run with perseverance as scary as this is and, and, and the obstacles are going to come up. I love the story of one mom. She said this to me. She said, you know what? I, I found out my job is in question. I don't know how it's all gonna work out, but I had decided to make a commitment. God had changed my life this last year. I was so grateful for what he had done and this church family I've come to love in the last year and, and I love the church family. I wanna bless this. And so I decided to make a commitment even though I might lose my job. She said, after I made my commitment, my job came to me. And even though I may, not, may lose my job, they decided to give me an extra bonus. And you know what my bonus was, Bill? Exactly what I pledged to give to this. She's like, can you believe that? I'm like, truth is, I keep hearing these stories again and again. There's a race. There's a, there's a path marked out for you. And you've been listening to God to grow and to sow and to go. And I just want to encourage you, even though you're going to face obstacles along the way, don't be afraid. Persevere. It may not be pretty. But people will look and say it was courageous, it was brave. And so we run with perseverance, the race that he has marked out for us. But this is the most important piece. And we want to close with this idea that the runner focuses on Jesus. The runner focuses on Jesus. Sometimes in a race, and some of you know this because you ran track, that a runner fixes their eyes so much on the finish line that they don't even know if they've won or lost until they look up at the, at the scoreboard. Watching the Olympics this year. Watch the, the, it is so close at the finish line they have to look to see who's won because they are not running like this looking at, at, at each other. They are so fixed on the finish line that's all they can see. And notice what he says in Hebrews 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3 of, of chapter 12. He says, we fix our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross and he scorned its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And notice how he encourages us. He says, consider him. Consider him. Him who endured such opposition from sinners. Because if you do this, you won't grow weary. And you won't lose heart. If your focus, if your finish line is Jesus, the one who sacrificed everything for you, you will not grow weary. If you're looking to the left and the right to see how you're doing compared to everyone else, you will grow tired. You will grow weary. 
But if you fix your eyes on Jesus, you will say, I don't know what it's going to cost me, but I'm running to him because he was willing to give everything for me. And I'm not going to look at any of the other circumstances of things going on. I'm going to fix my eyes on Jesus. And when I'm done, I'll let him reward me. You fix your eyes on Jesus. I, I, I think of this. I, I was thinking about this. I, I, how many of you, you know, you've been to weddings, right? Where maybe some of this happened at your wedding. I know it did in mine uh, with my nephew. Uh, that, that you have the, 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 the uh, ring bear or the flower girl. And they're a little too young probably to be in the, in the ceremony. But you're super optimistic during the rehearsal. But then when all the hundreds of people are standing there and Aunt Edna with her big fancy lipstick is like, ah! You're so you know they're like they're they're freaking out at the door right there aren't they and they're because what are they doing they're looking around to everyone else and everything that's going on until that one moment right Tanner where your mom kind of looks out into the aisle and you fix your eyes on your mom and maybe she, they have you know you figured out the the teddy bear whatever it is you're going to shake and all of a sudden it is just beeline right there I mean it's for, you know for, rose petals, wherever, you know, they're just, I, all I want to do is just get to safety and mom scoops you up and takes you in. And you and I are going to be like those frozen little three-year-olds if we're looking around at everything else that's going on instead of fixing our eyes on Jesus. Who did what for us? Who led the way? He was our pioneer. He was our premier example. He who was rich for our sake became poor so that we might become rich. Jesus has blazed a trail for us. He is our example to follow. And he reminds us that sometimes pain is involved in following God's will. But we see in Jesus his commitment to the Father. He endured the cross, not just its pain, but its shame. It says that he scorns it. He treated the cross as insignificant, of little consequence. You have to understand that the cross was the lowest form of capital punishment in that day. It was about humiliation. It was about sending a message to people. And so they stripped him naked and they hung him up in front of everyone as an example. And they were mocking these people who, who they thought were, were, were going to bring an uprising. They set them before everyone and says, you know, here's your Messiah. Here's your, here's your leader. Here's your zealot. And they put them up there and say, if you're going to do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And Jesus turned the cross inside out. He turns the cross inside out. The pain and the shame is insignificant to him compared to the glory. And because he endured it, because he endured it, notice where he is. He is at the right hand of the throne of God. He says, consider him. Why today are we willing to make commitments of faith, faith that scare us, faith that, that we say, I don't know how this is going to go, but you're calling me. You're inviting me into this. I've, we feel like the best we know how that this is what you want us to do. And with your help, We'll get there. Why are we doing this? I, I pray that you will do it for no other reason than to bring glory to Jesus. This is about Jesus and Jesus alone. Why are we doing this? Because of Jesus. Because he has gone before us to join him in what he's doing in the world. 
It's because of his grace, because of his sacrifice from us. And so he says, run, run free of burdens, run with perseverance, fix your eyes, run to Jesus. And that's what we're going to do today. So in just a moment, here's what's going to happen. Uh, This is how the the rest of the service is going to go. We're going to have in a moment, we're going to have a time of communion. Uh, We're going to share in the Lord's Supper. And and remember, we're going to pass to you bread and a cup. And the purpose of that is so that today, before you make any commitments, you will fix your eyes on Jesus. And when the bread and the cup come, they are symbols to you. They are reminders to you of God's great commitment to you. Jesus, because of the glory that would come, endured the cross. And so when you take that bread, you are reminded that he broke his body because he loves you. That when you take that cup and you drink that cup, you are reminded that he shed his blood for the, so that your sins could be forgiven. And the scriptures say this, that as often as we meet together and we eat this bread and we drink this cup, we, we remember him. We, we, we are reminded of what he's done until he comes again. And so we're reminded not only of what he has done, but what he's going to do. And we live for his mission. We live to join him in this life until every breath in this life is gone and we join him in the next and so as, as the, the elements come to you, I'm going to invite you to two things. The first is this. Uh, many of you came today, you've been part of this process, and you have your daring faith commitment. Maybe you have brought a, a one-time gift, but you're also thinking about the next three years, and you're saying, God, with your help, this is what we want to do. And this is over and above what you normally give. And so it's, a, it's hard. It's a sacrifice. And I, I want to encourage you that the way that we're doing this, that the invitation to you is this. It is, it is designed to be thoughtful, prayerful, joyful. We don't want you to feel coerced in any way. We want you to do this because this is a response of worship. And if you're new and you're saying, why are these people doing this? I want you to know they're, they're, they're giving themselves as an act of worship to worship the one who gave himself for them. And so what I want you to do is as those elements come, I want you to pray over it. Some of you maybe have already turned it in. I know we've had about 50 people already turn them in. We already have about 1.7 million that's been donated to our, our five plus million dollar goal. Um, it's exciting to see the sacrifices that people are making. We don't know what God's going to give us, but whatever he gives us, we'll take, we're just going to be joyful in it and we'll, we'll follow him in the next step. But this is a chance for us to bless Huntington Beach in the next two years, uh, to do whatever we can do on our campus now to kind of get through this, this time of being impacted. But this is a big commitment for you, and this is scary. But before you make this commitment, set your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus. And when you give this gift, give it as an act of worship to say to the Lord, just in your heart, Lord, this is, this is nothing compared to your sacrifice, however you want to do this. You'll also see there was a card given to you in your bulletin and that our hope is this, that as you've been listening to God and, and his calling to, to grow or to go or however it is he's been speaking to your life, uh, we want to encourage you. If, you've, if there's something God's been calling to you and you're saying today, today I'm going to run this race. I'm not going to consider it any longer. Today I begin to run after this calling that God has gone, after this, this way of growth. 
I wanna encourage you to write it down at the very end of the service. So we're gonna take communion. We're gonna pray over these things and I'll come back up and I'll give you instructions. At the very end of the service, I'm gonna invite you as we do our final closing prayer, I'm gonna invite you to come forward. You'll be able to put your offering envelope in the silver bins that are there, the collection boxes, if you would like to give today. And then uh, your Daring Faith cards. I'm encouraging you to just pin them on these, these two uh, boards that are there. And next week at the service, they'll be out in the, in the, on the patio as we celebrate afterwards. And you can read, you can see what people are dealing with. But again, this is a chance for you to, to go in this moment and say, Jesus, for all you've done for me, I hear your calling and here's what I think you're calling me to do. And with your help, this is what I'm committing to. Now, let me say this in closing our series. Some of you love Beach Point and I'm excited about that. But my, my, my greatest hope for you is this, is that you love and serve Jesus. I want you to know him. I want you to know him now and forever. I want you to know the one who came into this world and gave his life for you, who laid his life down so that you could know God both now and forever. And if you've never committed your life to Jesus, this is your act of daring faith. I could care less about your money. I could care less about any other thing other than your heart belonging to Jesus. And so we're going to close in prayer and I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And if today you realize today I'm, I'm done playing the game. I'm done doing the church thing. Today I'm giving my life to Jesus Christ. Then I'm going to give you a chance to pray. And then here's what I want to encourage you to do. If this is, that's the commitment you're making today, I just want you to write on the card, today I gave my life to Jesus and you just pin it up there. But let's bow together and let's pray. And so before we do anything else, in just a moment, the bread and cup are going to come to you to remind you that Jesus, the Son of God, entered into this world to pay the price of your sin. And he gave his life so that you could live your life through his presence and his power. And if you've never given your life to Jesus and today that's what you desire to do, you want to begin this life as a Christian, I just want you to just quietly pray in your heart and I'll lead you and you can kind of do this in your own words if you want, but pray with me. And so Lord Jesus, I confess to you today that I want you to have my life, all of me, I don't totally know what this is going to cost me, but I believe in you. And I need you to save me. I need you to rescue me. I confess that my sin has separated me from you and only you can forgive me. And so I, I give you my life. Fill me with your spirit and with your help. I will follow you all the, all the days of my life. And if that's your heart today, if that's what you want, I just want to encourage you with one thing as heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I just would encourage you because it will help you more than anyone else. But if that's your heart today, that's your prayer today, I just want, I want you just to lift your hand in the, in the air just to say to me, to, to God, that is my prayer today to give you, Jesus, my life. I give you my life in faith. If that's your heart, just lift your hand up in prayer. Thank you. Awesome. 
Father, for all of us now, as we sit before you, we think about these commitments. Lord, we just want to say uh, these commitments are not so that we could earn your love. It's because we are loved. And we can think of no better way than to realize that you are a good father than to, to remember the sending of your son. And so as we take the bread and the cup, will you make us mindful of your goodness and your presence in this journey? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. As you're ready, reflect on your commitments. And when the bread and cup come, as you're ready, eat and drink. But hand these commitments over to the Lord and dedicate them to him.